0: Welcome to ForeverFit.tv, your online source for fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle, with your host, Nicola Riley, personal trainer, nutrition, and lifestyle coach, here to help you get in the best shape of your life. Hey, welcome listeners to episode 13 of your favorite health and fitness podcast, TV. This is a weekly show dedicated to bringing you the best advice to help you get in the best shape of your life. I'm Nicola Riley, a personal trainer, nutrition, and lifestyle coach, and joining me today is Barbara-Ann Guiney. Barbara is an author, a motivational speaker, former radio show host, TV commentator, international lecturer and consultant. But what Barbara does mostly today is public, motivation, corporate and public motivational speaking, helping people lead healthier, less stressful lives and helping people live their dreams. It's so great to have you on the show, Barbara. What, Thank you, Nicola. Why don't you just start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself?
1: Well, let's see. I've been doing this work for many, many years. I, When I was 20 years old, my mother had her colon removed, and so I got into natural health. Why did it happen to her? She was 43, didn't want it to happen to May, so I started doing research. And as I went through the physical aspects of it, which are great, I got more interested in the mind and understanding how mind-body medicine works and then working with Dr. Deepak Chopra all these years I teach his meditation. I traveled with him to India and England, different places. And I just love the mind because I think the mind is the cornerstone of our health, truly.
0: Wow. I mean, it's so powerful what your thoughts have on your body, isn't it? You can, I mean, you just hear amazing stories of of what people can do with the power of their mind.
1: Yeah, and I realized that. Louise Hayes made great books about heal your body with your thoughts, and um, Dr. Emoto did – research on water about how thoughts affect water so messages from water in his books it's just really when you look at it it's really important what you feel and think within you
0: yeah no definitely and I mean, De- I mean so many people would know Deepak Chopra um books as well and his um most common one the secret the well, most com- one of his principles the secret but you like obviously know a whole lot more about those principles
1: Well, Rhonda Burns actually wrote The Secret, which is the Law of Attraction, but the Law of Attraction is just one of the many universal laws, and Deepak wrote a great book called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, which is how I met him, because in 1994 when he published that book, I fell in love with it, and so I wrote him a letter and said, I really love this book, I must teach it. He was so impressed with the fact that I asked him um, to write the book, or to, to teach the book, that he contacted me and we ended up working together and then he asked me to be one of his teachers and all the rest is history but that is to me um, the understanding how the universe works is how we work because we are natural we are part of nature so therefore understanding those laws and the law of attraction is just one of those and so if you start going through the seven laws or all the universal laws you'll notice that your life changes your body changes and you're just happier and healthier yeah no, definitely
0: I mean. I've definitely read that book and it, it made a big impact on me. I, I was I read it when I was um it was my first year at university so I think it was quite a good time for me of to have read a book like that and then um yeah, just just gives you that kind of grounding knowledge of what you of your thoughts and um life I guess, yeah.
1: Yeah, basically understanding how the universe works, since we're a big part of it, and the universe is within us as well as without of us. But I agree with you. I think I've been teaching it for almost 18 years now, and every time I teach it, I learn something different, because yeah. we all change. We're always changing, and we're learning new things. And so to me, teaching this, I just came back from Nepal, and I was teaching it in Nepal, which was the first time I ever taught people who English wasn't their first language. So it was really interesting how to interpret Um, this seven universal laws, but they got it and they understand it and they kind of live it probably better than we do. So it was really interesting to teach it in that respect. But I'm still teaching it as often as I can. And I have a big poster and I review it every day too. And any problems that everyone has, they can always look to the universal laws and see how that can help us to solve those issues. Yeah,
0: definitely. And it's, um, I mean, I guess all this leads on to what we're going to be talking about. And it's just, it's about how your the power of your mind can create the healthy, well-rounded, happy person that you want to be, and um, just you know understanding what makes you happy and what makes you um, healthy is really important, and it all comes down to your thoughts and your mind. So we... Yeah, and the
1: environment that you create with your mind, and that's part of the, the seven laws. The first thing, what I do is I make recommendations to people as to how to become the real person that they are, rather than, many of us will think we should do something, and we think, oh, I need to do that. The reality is, you know, inside all the answers to your questions, you just have to listen. That's probably the number one thing I recommend to people, is listen to that inner voice. Hopefully, we only have two voices in our head. One is the loud, frequent, you know, um, ego voice, which is negative and, oh, and place back maybe tapes of what your parents said to you as children or, or your teachers or some negative person in your life. So we need to cut that out, and, or at least down. We need to have an ego. We need to discern that we're, at the moment, different than anyone else. Um, however, we're all one, and in that sacred voice connects us to realize what is really most important in our life, and that voice is rather quiet. He gives a little nudge now and again. And we know when we don't listen to it, we go, oh, I know I shouldn't have done that. That's the voice. That's the difference. So when we have those two, it's the choice of which one do we listen to. More importantly, if we meditate, we get more in touch with that voice. We get really good at listening to it and knowing the difference between the ego voice and the sacred inner voice. And that is my best recommendation for people, the easiest thing to do to really realize who they are and then to ad- adapt to their life, anything that they hear while meditating, because it's a very creative time. Um, last night I was teaching kids meditation, and one of my examples is, you know, in life, uh, we can look at our mind as a big body of water, say. And if it's really turbulent, and there's big waves and everything, if we were to throw a big boulder into that lake, that pond, we wouldn't notice a whole lot of difference. But if the pond was quiet, and we threw a pebble into it, there would be ripples that we would see and notice. That's the idea of meditation. Quiet your pond, quiet your mind, so that when these thoughts come in, you recognize them. And you say, wow, I really need to do that. And then when it's turbulent, that means I've just got a lot of thoughts, and we're busy. and the number one fallacy over the years I've found is that many people believe if they sit down and meditate and have a lot of thoughts, they're not meditating. Oh my goodness, that is like the number one Best meditation you could have. is so When you have all that business in your head, you're in the process of quieting it down to get to the pond so you can notice the things that you need to do in life and to make better choices because you're not going to notice. If you're busy, busy, busy doing things all the time, well, I always tell people if you do, do, do all the time, what do you get? Pile of do-do. <laughs> so you, you need to quiet your mind, and that's so important. And when you, when you meditate and you have a lot of thoughts, You're releasing stress, kind of like, you know, when you lay down at night and you relax your muscles, you're going to sleep, you're telling your body, okay, it's time to relax, I'm going to sleep, all of a sudden your leg will twitch, or some muscle will twitch. What that's doing is that muscle's been tight all day, been very busy working, and when you finally say, okay, relax now, it twitches, it releases the stress, it releases the energy, and that's what your mind's doing. When you go to sit down and you have all these thoughts, they're stress bubbles. Because you're finally saying to my, okay, cool, we can relax now. Your mind's going, yeah, 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 but I've been going all day. So boom, 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 all these thoughts come up. They're just stress bubbles. So in mantra meditation, we say, well, release them. Let them go. Don't focus on them. Don't resist. Whatever you resist is said. Let them go. And just listen to the mantra, which is a nonsensical sound that brings you back eventually to the real you and the quiet. And when you get to that quiet and peacefulness, all of a sudden you go, oh, it's quiet. You've had a thought. You're out of the, the gap, as we call it, the space between your thoughts, because that's who we really are. But when we listen, just like when you wake up in the morning, if you have a dream, if you don't write it down quick or you don't tell someone, you forget it. Same in meditation. You don't stop your meditation to write down these great ideas. You wait till the meditation's over and then write it down. I wrote my first book, Natural Options, through meditation. It just kept coming to me. It's a very creative time. And another thing, when you meditate, there's only three things that can occur when you meditate. The first one is, of course, that you get a lot of thoughts. That just means you're stressed out and that you need to really be sitting in that chair and releasing the stress because otherwise you'll take it with you the rest of the day. The second is that you fall asleep. It just means you're tired. You're not getting enough sleep. And the third thing is you slip in to the gap, the space between your thoughts. That's great. That's where your creative time comes in. So all that's really happening when you're sitting in the chair is you're listening to your body. Where is it? Is it tired? Is it busy? Is it stressed out? Or is it relaxed? It can slip into the gap. Everybody can do it. And like tie-dye cloth, you know, keep dipping into the, the color. It gets brighter and brighter and richer and richer. Meditation's the same. The more you do it, the better off you become at connecting with your inner voice that guides you and tells you where you need to go and who you really are yeah
0: yeah that's really cool um i guess um i ha so my like, a lot of listeners you know they i mean a lot of people don't know how to meditate, and you mentioned the chair like there's yeah. that's something so um let's why don't you explain how somebody starts to bring some meditation to it? Like the word meditation for somebody is just like oh, I'm not going there. That's just so freaky. Like <laughs> I don't. I okay, don't I that's not me. I'm too tough for that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. How, how well, I
1: know.
0: <laughs> how does somebody start to bring some meditation in? What What's some little steps that they can do?
1: Well, the first thing is to understand there's two forms of meditation. Yeah. One is beautiful physical, like yoga, tai chi, a walk on the beach, a walk in the bush, listening to great music, sitting, closing your eyes and following your breath. Those are all fabulous forms of meditation. Anybody can do it. And we all kind of do it. And in a way, you know, we, say you're driving along the road and you're going to someplace and you get there and you go, wait a minute, I don't remember how I got here. How did I do that? That's a form of meditation. You kind of stepped out to the logical mind and you're off somewhere else, but you're alert enough to know the difference that if someone had pulled in front of you a child on a bicycle, perhaps, you would have put your brakes on and said, no, I'm not going to hit this child. That's restful alertness. That's what meditation is. You're there, but you're not there. There's a part of you that's gone off somewhere else, like when you're driving somewhere. So when you understand that that's one form of meditation, the physical, the second is the mantra form, and that's where you forget you have a physical body. You don't want to know about breathing. You don't want to use your ears listening. You don't want to see something. You want to just go within and be you. Okay? How you do that is you don't have to sit in the lotus position. People think you go over in the corner and go, mm, you know. That That's a nice form of meditation. But once again, it's sound. It's listening, using your ears. It's quiet. It's serene. You just sit comfortably in a chair, hopefully. Uh, one of the kids last night said, well, can I lay down? No, it's not a good idea because usually you associate laying down with sleeping. It's best to sit in a chair. Just be comfortable. You don't have to be in the lotus position. You don't have to be holding your fingers (laughs) like that. It's okay if you choose to. There's nothing wrong with it. But the key really is to be comfortable because you want to forget you have a body. You want to get out of the body and be the real you, the unique, beautiful person that you are. So when you do that, you get comfortable and... If you only have, say, ten minutes in your busy schedule, I highly suggest five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the afternoon, reason being that, you know, you don't get up in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to eat everything I need today, and I'm not going to eat anymore the rest of the day. (laughs) You don't do that. You know, so you don't do that meditation. It's a gift. It's really a gift that you give to yourself to say, you know, I'm worth it. I'm going to sit here and listen to what I want, what I feel, what's best for me, Oftentimes, we, women in particular, are nurturing everyone else around us, but we don't take the time to nurture ourselves. So I always say to people, especially women, and men too, is that when you wake up in the morning, that's the best time to do your first meditation because you get you ready for the day. You get up, maybe you go to the toilet, get a glass of water, whatever you want, then sit down somewhere comfortably, keep warm, whatever it is, somewhere where you're not going to be disturbed. Uh, you're not going to hear the phone ring. You're not going to hear the dogs barking or a cat. Because animals love to come to you when you're meditating because they love to meditate. They do it often. Very natural for them. Maybe that's so good for us. Although if we look at the ancient, no, the sages in India and, and Nepal and the Himalayas and all around the world. The Andes, they they ac- actually spent a lot of their day doing that. So you want a rest activity cycle. So this is your rest um, in the morning. You get up, you're, you're hopefully come after a good night's sleep and then you meditate. And that releases any stress bubbles you have because oh believe me, I know there's some days I don't want to do it. I have things I gotta do, people I gotta see, places I gotta go. But I know that if I don't sit there and do it, I'm gonna carry that stress with me the rest of the day. And I don't want that stress. I want to be happy. That's how you judge your meditation. Not by what happens in the chair, but what happens as you go through your day. Are you carrying that stillness with you? It doesn't matter what happens in a chair because only three things can happen. It's just telling you who you are at the moment. But then your next meditation, hopefully, will be late afternoon or early evening. You don't want to do it too late. Some people, you know, if they try doing it 9, 10 o'clock after the kids to bed or whatever, they've done their homework, whatever it is, well, sometimes it gives you energy. Most times it does. You'd be up hookering, vacuuming at 1 in the morning (laughs) because you got all this energy if you're meditating too late at night you don't want to do that, everybody has a different rhythm, circadian rhythm, different um, schedules. So you have to fit it into what works for you. But I highly recommend before you eat. If you do meditation after you eat, your body is busy digesting. It doesn't really want to forget that it's in physical form. It wants to digest. So you do it before you eat. You do it before a lot of exercise. Because if you're exercising a lot, except for Tai Chi, yoga, your forms of meditation. You can do that before you do it a mantra form of meditation. But if you exercise a lot, your metabolism is very high. And so it's hard to calm it down so that you can kind of get out of the body and forget or get within the body. We often say that an out-of-body experience is common. It's the in-body experience that's less common because most of us don't take that time to go within and listen to our sacred voice. So when you do that, do it before you eat in the morning, before you eat at night, do it in a quiet environment, Give yourself that five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the afternoon, or 10. And what happens is it feels so good, you get addicted to it. We're all addicts. We just need something good to be addicted to. And this is a great addiction. So you feel really good. You notice it, that you're feeling good. You're losing your habits. They did studies on transcendental meditation, which I learned back in 1976. And I took my seven-year-old son at the time and had him learn as well. And I've noticed over these 30-some years of doing it, that you do, you feel so much better, you're healthier, um, uh, addictions are removed usually, uh, a diet improves, PSAs in cancer patients then um, goes down, all sorts of benefits to meditation has all been studied. But the good thing is, you feel great, and you have energy, and you have clarity of mind. You know who you are, you know what works for you, so you're less likely to make better, um, worse choices in your life, you'll be making better choices, provided you give that. Um, To you. Now, uh, many people say to me, Well, I can get the first one in. It's the second one that's difficult. And my answer to that is if you don't do it twice a day, once is better than nothing, but twice a day is hugely different than just one. Huge, big, huge difference in your life when you do it twice. The 10 minutes in your life, five in the morning, five in the afternoon. Ultimately, you want to get to 20 to 30 minutes twice a day and you'll notice the change in your life and you'll see your body reacting to that peace and quiet that you're giving the physical body and your mind
0: yeah i mean it's um it's something that's just so powerful just that whole um allowing your body to stop we we run and we run and we run and we work and we work and we're all reaching for something that's over the fence you know that happiness that's over over there that somebody else looks like that they've got and it's It's just so important for you just to stop, and I guess I guess um, like meditation doesn't have to be like you said, you know, making funny noises and holding your fingers and your thumbs together. It's just letting yourself stop, letting your thoughts process, and then you'll start to develop what meditation means for you. Because I guess a lot of people don't quite know what. It's almost scary to know what will happen. It's just like, well, what am I just sitting there thinking?
1: I know I had people, I was once teaching in India with Deepak, I had two Irish women come to me and say, oh, I'm afraid to meditate, I might contact the devil.
0: Yeah. No,
1: <laughs> that isn't what you do, I promise them, and they ended up doing it and all was well. But yeah, exactly, I understand what you mean, and people just think it's something weird and different, it's really so simple, we complicate life. I also recommend that people um, create a, a positive environment to support that, kind of like, you know, when we go on diets, which I hate the word, but... When we try to improve our diet, we don't keep chocolate and cake and potato chips and all that stuff in our kitchen. We try to create an environment to support the new eating habits. It's the same in your life. When you want to change your life, you don't have things around you that drain your energy that aren't good for you and aren't in li- alignment with your intention. So you put your intentions that I'm going to be healthier and happier. And one of the things to do is meditate. Another thing is to remove all negativity in your life, whatever form it may take. Maybe it's something in your house. When you come home at night, your home should rise up and say, Hi, welcome home. And if it doesn't, if you walk up to it and you go, Oh, I'm home, there's a problem within those walls. You need to find out what it is, what's not resonating with you. So that's one of the main things to do. Often people in your life, probably drain you, maybe, and you don't know how to remove them. So you, <coughs> pardon me, you <coughs> I'm losing my voice. I did teaching last night, today, so sorry. <coughs> so people in your life, and I'm choking on that because people have a hard time with that. Um, sadly. We allow people into our life and usually they're family members and which amazes me that family can treat each other worse than strangers. Um, that you need to just tell people in your life that are really draining you the energy right now. You know what? If you love me, I need to go away for a while and just be by myself and not have you in my life for the time being. I need to make myself heal. And if they really love you, they'll go, Oh, absolutely. But if they, are all about them. No, you've got to stay. You've got to stay. You've got to do this. Then you got to question, do you really have people in your life that support you? Or are they people that it's all about them? So that's a choice we all have to make. That's a part of our life that drains us. Job, job you don't like. People used to come to Deep Talk in seminars and say, what do I do? I've got a family to feed. I've got children to raise. I need my job. And he said, quit, find another one put your intentions out there and you a positive attitude. It's like you plant a seed in the universe, okay? You plant a seed in your garden, in the backyard. You put the seed in there, you cover it up, you water it, you nurture it, you make sure it's got the water and the nutrients it needs. You don't go and dig it up and say, oh, how are you doing today? You're germinating, what are you doing? You leave it in the ground and you trust that it's going to be okay because you're taking care of it. You're doing whatever it needs to grow the same with our thoughts and our intentions in life. I wanted to come to New Zealand. I planted that thought and I said, I'm going to come here and I did what I needed to do. I watered it, I fed it, anything, but I detached knowing that it'll be fine if it's meant to be. If that seed doesn't grow in our garden, well, guess it wasn't meant to. If the seed doesn't grow in your life with your intention, then there's something even better for you. Yeah. And you let it go. You detach from it and let it be. And that's what I did. I said, okay. You know, it'll be this or something better. So when you set your intentions, you add that phrase, this or something better. Because we all don't know every possibility out there. Universe knows. We don't. It's like we got a torch in the middle of an art gallery. We're only able to light up certain parts of the art gallery because of our individuality. But there's heaps more out there. We need to trust that. So put it out there, this is my intention or something even better. Oprah was great. She said that. Now she says, she wouldn't, couldn't even imagine the wealth and the power she has today. It was beyond her scope of believability back in the beginning. It's True for all of us. We just need to put it there and trust it will happen in its right time or something even better.
0: Mm, I love that, the planting the seed in your thoughts. It's just it's so powerful that, yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it works.
1: It really it's, works. It's, when so, people understand. Yeah,
0: just picture yeah. it. It's okay. the whole visualization and picturing things and just, putting it out there and knowing what you're wanting to achieve
1: and everything. yeah. And it's understanding universal laws. That's how the universe works. That's how nature works. Why do we try to go against it with our minds? Yeah. That's the question I always have. When you follow the seven laws of any universal law, so there's more like the law of attraction and all of that, and law of least effort, all of these laws, and the law of dharma. So many people have come to me late, my clients, and said, you know, I don't know what I'm here to do. I don't know what my purpose is. So I tell them to ask themselves three questions. The first one is, what do you love doing so much that you lose track of time? Now you know, Nicola, I talk. <laughs> I lose track of time, so I'm radio show, and you know all the stuff that I do is speak on stage and stuff. Is because I love sharing the knowledge that I've gathered from my teachers. So what do you love doing? You lose track of time. That means it's timeless for you. You get so engrossed in it, and that's great. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then the second question is. What do you love doing so much that you pay to do? Money is just energy. What are you investing your energy in? Money is just a commodity, just energy, but where are you putting it? And then the third question is, is it in service to others? And that's what we're all here to do is help each other, serve each other. So those are the three questions. And people say, yeah, but I'm still not sure. Then I suggest, going back to your childhood, before you got all these shoulds, I should do this. I should be this from my mother, my father, my friends, whatever. Go back to what really interested you as a child. Maybe you'll find it amongst those activities that you loved doing as a child. Sometimes we just get so caught up in pleasing everyone else that we forget. And I have to say, when I was growing up, I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to learn every language of the world until I learned the language of love is heard and understood in all countries, in all different languages. But that was my intention as a child. And I wanted to be a veterinarian, but I cried every time our dog got hurt. So I realized that wasn't going to work. And so, and I took French for three years and I thought, oh, that's enough of that. So it's a good thing I found love with the language because <laughs> then it's, I'm able to go wherever and do that. So you just got to look back, see what, what, makes my, what makes me smile, what makes my heart sing. And that's what you're here to do. What is your passion? Live your passion. Because if you don't, who will? Yeah. You know, it's your choice.
0: Yeah, like, like I think, all, I mean, all of this is, I want to let people know, like, the importance of of finding that happiness. You know, like, it, the meditation, it's not, you know, doing a meditation and, and living that happy life is not just something you should do. It's something that's, you know, it's creating a healthy body. Like, if we're doing something that makes us unhappy and we're stressed, um, why don't you, we talk about, it's a little bit like the health benefits of actually allowing yourself to stop and like the, uh, the importance of not letting your, yourself be stressed and the importance of finding that, um, you know, the, the place where you want to be. So you're doing things that you love.
1: Well, the thing is that what I've learned, I mean, Deepak wrote a good, uh, great book called Perfect Health, talking about how our cells listen to our thoughts. There's four things that cells need in order to keep replicating healthy and get, keep your body going better and better. One thing is good water. We all need that. Good food, good nutrition, good air, of course, all of that, and good communication. Because if you're sitting there thinking negative thoughts, and you're around a negative area, and you're stressed out, your body can't heal itself. It will not replicate the new cells to be healthy. They'll be not so healthy. And then they'll create even more unhealthy cells. So the physical body, the cellular part of our being, will not be healthy. It'll get worse and worse. And we see that happen. I mean, I think we've all met people who are really negative, and all of a sudden, everything they attract to them is negative, unhealthiness. The body listens to all of our thoughts. So what are we telling it? Are we saying, boy, life's great. I'm so grateful for this life. Or is the body hearing you say, ah, I'm not well. I'm not happy. And it's going to respond to that accordingly. It's been proven. Mind-body medicine is out there now. It's been definitely proven. So we have to be careful. Our body will respond. Louise Hay wrote that great book, Heal Your Body. <clears throat> if you um, if People who have different diseases, like I was diagnosed 12 years ago with uterine cancer. And so I had a hysterectomy, yay, great, that took care of it. However, I had to look at the mind. What was, I was in a, a marriage that I was very unhappy. I, it was um, My husband and I had separated lives 10 years before. He lived his life, I lived mine. It didn't work for me. So I understood then, and I was working with Deepak, and I was working with a lot of people that had cancer, but I kept thinking, oh, I can fool my body. You know, I'd get off stage and go, boy, if anybody ever knew the kind of life I live at home. My husband smokes, he ate junk food, you know, nothing who I was. And then all of a sudden I got the diagnosis that it was a wake-up call. And that proved to me that our body listens, and then I found Louise Hay's work that everyone I've come across in all these years that have a, a physical ailment Usually there's an affirmation that could help heal it, which she did. She had, I think she had uterine cancer back when she was uh, 30, 40 years ago, a long time ago. She healed herself with her, a lot of her thoughts and reflexology and a whole lot of other things. But the key here is that our bodies react just like Dr. Emoto proved with water. Water that is talked to nicely ha- creates crystals, beautiful ice crystals when you freeze it or when you thaw it out. It's frozen and then thawed. Whereas negative water, when you speak to the negative water, um or the water negatively, it won't create any pretty crystals. So if water reacts and we're mostly water, think about that. If we're mostly water, and Dr. Moda's proved that in test tubes about what water creates with negative thoughts, what are we doing to ourselves? Our health will won't, won't have energy, we won't have the inclination to go and exercise, move it or lose it. I mean, really there's there's I, I created this wheel years ago about our health and well-being and you can find it on my personal well-being website but if you look at we're a wheel going down the path of life and how strong our spokes are determines how we handle the bumps in the road so I divide it into five equal spokes. first one is nutrition you are what you eat so you have to be careful and you know that above all and you teach well about that and then the second thing is exercise, move it or lose it, you're great at that too. And then the third one to me is detox. You need to detox the body with forms of chiropractic, reflexology, uh, cleanses, whatever it is. And I learned that from my mom losing her colon when she was 43. So that was an important spoke on the wheel for me. But then I got into the mind stuff. And meditation, I realized, because of all the studies proving that meditation helps your health, helps you be healthier. Heart attack are lessened, all of that stress on the heart. We all know stress creates that. And then the second one is positive attitude. It's creating that environment that's positive. So those two spokes are the mental side of it and couple that with the three spokes that are physical and your wheel will be handle what handle best whatever comes along your path of life, whatever bumps your road may encounter your path will encounter. So that to me is essential in understanding that we're multifaceted beings, but we need to address all aspects of our being. And maybe we're good at a few of them, but I'm sure there's one or two that we can improve on somewhere. That to me is a simple, easy concept of going through your life and getting better and wanting to be healthier and then creating that healthy environment in which to grow and let yourselves replicate in a healthy manner. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah, it's so true. I mean, I guess what sort of questions would people, um, you know, ask themselves? Like, where where do they sort of move forward from here? Like, it's there's you know, it's just some some simple little steps that people could do to um, you know implement today. Like, what what kind of things can they ask themselves in the questions?
1: Okay, well, one of the things, like I said, my first book, Natural Options, spoke about the the wheel. So they've got to look at their nutrition. Are they consuming, um, you know, bad foods, foods that aren't really feeding their cells, maybe draining them, cancerous stuff, like all these chemicals that are in the foods nowadays, really, really sad. So look at what you're eating. Hopefully it's healthy. Raw foods are great. I worked with a great Dr. Ann Wigmore years ago, learned from her about raw food. She had colon cancer for the last 34 years of her life before she died in a fire and <laughs> was asphyxiated, but she lived with it, um, because she believed in raw foods and that Everything on this earth that we eat is good for us. If we kill it, she believed, with heating it, then all the enzymes and everything we need to digest would be lost. So there's a good way, looking at what they're eating. Second, of course, is the exercise. Are you sitting there? Move it or lose it. You've got to get up and walk around. You can't be sitting at a desk all day. You need to look at your exercise. Make sure you go for walks. If it's that simple um, in your life, you can fit that in. Just take a walk, go somewhere, walk. You don't have to jog. You don't have to, if it's too much for you, start up slow. As you're great at teaching that stuff. Third one is um, detox. What are you doing to cleanse your body? You know, we do spring cleaning in the house, so we should spring clean our body. So what are you doing? Do you go for clonics, enemas? Do you take herbal cleanses? Do you um, get reflexology, massage? Do you for chiropractic treatment to make sure the nervous system is in order, not being pinched? which will not allow the uh, impulses to get to the cells of the body to heal and replicate in a healthy way. What are you doing to maintain your health, keep it going forward, or are you just ignoring it and just hoping that it will take care of itself? It won't. And then what are you doing with your mind? Look at your life, like I said before. Look around. Go home. Look in a drawer. Start small. Look in a drawer. Say, what don't I like in here? What does it make my heart sing? Throw it out. Get rid of it. Recycle it. Give it away. Donate it to the Salvation Army, whatever, recycle it, and then after you do the drawer, you're going to get excited, oh, this feels good, I'm cleaning, then you go to a closet, and then do that, and then when you go, oh, i have to do a room, and then you're going to do your whole house, and then maybe you could do your car, because the things in life that you look at, that you say, oh, I need to do that, it will drain you of energy, everything boils down to energy and information, so look at your life, what's draining you, what doesn't make your heart think? if it doesn't feed you, it drains you. You need to look at that. And then, are you taking time for you? We call it me time. Are you sitting down to meditate? Are you going for a walk at the beach? Just you. No one else. Are you doing that? Those are some simple, easy things to look at. Not all in one day. Take one at a time. Slowly introduce it because you know what? We got to where we are today, slowly. We need to exit slowly and get better and better out of these negative habits into positive ones very slowly. And then you don't, you know, when you get overwhelmed, this is one thing I learned when I was trained in NLP, you chunk it up. You say, okay, I've got all this to do. So you take small pieces, say, today I'm just going to look at my diet. And I do that maybe for a week or a month. I'm just going to change and look at everything I put in my mouth. And then you can say, okay, now I'm going to look at where am I a month later, a week later. Okay, now I'm going to look at my exercise one step at a time. That's all it takes. One little thing can make a huge difference in your life. So just don't get overwhelmed. Chunk it up, as we say. Pick one thing to do. Make a list, and then go down the list slowly when it feels comfortable. If you're stressed out, if you feel overwhelmed, that's not helping you. lot of people go and exercise and they don't want to be there and they're like or they want to meditate but they don't really want to do it you're you're causing an inner conflict you need to be congruent with your whole body your body mind and soul needs to be happy at every moment you have to start making better choices and hopefully with meditation you will recognize those better choices yeah no it is and it is
0: just those little habits just like you said it's Making just little changes, making it part of a routine, and so that it, it, does, it does just become easy and not a um, stressful thing because it's like you said, that every, people sort of just we're so busy being busy that we want to be healthy, and so someone's just as likely to go just change absolutely everything and then be stressed by all the change. So it's, it's,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's hard on the body, yeah. and, and it takes 20, it's been proven to take 21 days to change a habit for us humans. So know that it takes 21 days. So I always tell people, take those 21 days. Just do one thing for 21 days. See how you feel at the end. Then try another. But everybody operates at a different frequency, at a different vibration level. So you've got to just follow what works for you. If it takes a month for you or a week, whatever makes you happy, you get to choose. No one else, you.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really great. Thank you so much, Barbara, for all of that wisdom and just such, such great advice. Um, I, how, so how can people find you? Um, you've mentioned you've got a book.
1: I've got three books, uh, Natural Options, Inspirations for Women. They're just little vignettes so to remind women who we are. And then men got upset that I wrote it, and I said, but have you noticed I'm not a man. And it's hard to write that. But I had a, my ex-partner helped me in that, so it's Inspirations for Men. And my website, personalwellbeing.co.nz. Or my name barbaraangani.com or corporatewellbeing.co.nz. Those are my three websites. They're all tied in together, and they can find me there. And also um, in Teranga, um, I'm I'm doing I'm teaching the Seven Spiritual Laws every Sunday morning in town. So we're actually moving um, next week to um, the Plunkett Place in Otomotai, and so they can contact. Uh, up there, come join us. It's only $5. Children are free. And we talk about this, creating the life with our mind that we want, following universal law. That seems to be my passion right now. It's just helping people on that level. Thank goodness you're there doing the, the, um, exercise and the nutrition and all that good stuff and peppering it with the lovely, um, mind stuff. So that's great that there's people like you around doing this stuff. And I'm just glad to be able to help in any way.
0: Well, no, it's so great to have you on board and I just love, love learning from you. You're just so um, yeah, <laughs> inspirational. It's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Thank
1: you. So Appreciate I guess that. if
0: anyone's got any questions, they can just um, come straight to you or they can come in via my website and we can, we'll can just answer any questions at all. And you can get in touch with Barbara via um, her website or mine. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for being on the show, Barbara.
1: My pleasure.
0: Any parting words of wisdom?
1: Be you. Be the gorgeous, beautiful you. All the other jobs are taken. So be you. Be happy.
0: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be in touch really soon with the next episode. Ciao.